Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello there. And it's your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Daniel Jones time! Ah! Yeah, I know Daniel Jones is about ready to ascend to the throne oh, of God. the New York Giants. We can talk about that in a second. Oh, we're going to have much to discuss because football is kicking off. Week one is starting up, and we got to jump, jump into that. But first, got to go over our socials. You know where to find us on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The links are there, links to the show, and everything that is ODPH. Make sure to use the hashtag as well, hashtag ODPH, to join in the conversation on social media because we want to interact with you because we have a lot to discuss in the land of sports. Mm-hmm. And as the coach alluded to, football is finally here. As we are recording, we are one day away from the season officially kicking off. Let's say one would say it could be uh, called uh, NFL Eve. Full slate of college this past weekend. Now here we are. Yes, it is a great time if you're a sports fan because football is really overtaken as the national pastime. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very safe statement to make. Baseball is baseball, and it's always great, but football is just really... Baseball ain't making over a billion dollars every year. Right. Baseball is kind of now taking the backseat to football. American football, that is. Yes. And is really grown, and the coach is just salivating at the mouth to really start talking about it. Oh, man. I mean, Monday night, the Irish back, it was fantastic. It was a bit of a barn burner in the first half, but then, you know, they held their ground and pulled it out, you know, one broken nose later. So, uh, yeah, I'm just glad football's back, man. I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for Thursday. I bears Packers. I mean, that's always a great rivalry. Yeah. I got to watch the video. Brett Favre did with the super fans. Oh my yes. God. It, I haven't it, seen I've, it. Yet. I've seen it, but it's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. I just watched the episode of, uh, uh, Peyton's place on ESPN plus with oh, him yeah. doing it with the, yeah. with the, with the, with the super fans. Yeah. And it was hilarious. So I'm only, they're still in full gear. To, to, you know, almost not doing it for 20 years. They still got it. No, yeah. I, I haven't seen the Brett Favre one. They have not missed a step. Yeah. At oh, all. I can't wait to watch it then. No, they're so classic. I wonder what their take is going to be on Ezekiel Elliott, though. Uh, because that has to be the biggest story breaking as we are recording. Yeah. He has signed for six years and $90 million, Pat. Is that correct? Six years, $90 million, with 50 of it guaranteed. Show me the money. Uh, say, I think the funniest th- part about this whole thing was the stories that, like, he came out of wherever he was hiding. I think I heard it was, like, Cabo. He was yeah, Cabo. it was in Cabo. Cabo or something like that. And then he ended up in, like, China or someplace and confused the you-know-what out of Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, you know, yeah. M- NBA legend where Dirk you know came out got off a flight in like china or someplace and people were going nuts he's like oh hey and you can go to dirk's twitter accounts and he posted this about himself you know he got off the plane and people were going nuts he's like oh hey i still got it and then he realized it was for zeke yeah it was kind of a funny moment and obviously with the hoopla that has been going on that is one big off-season story that if you're a cowboys fan you have to feel some relief giants fan you have to feel some sweat yeah you have to more than you already were yeah well i mean listen i this team without Ezekiel Elliott is not as threatening with just Dak Prescott. No. Like, I mean, I know that, and this is just for the NFC East in general, I mean, not sure. just being a Giants fan, but like, if Zeke's not there, 
I'm not as worried about the the, the Cowboys and playing in the division right now. I'll say without Zeke, the Cowboys become very one dimensional. Oh yeah, and not even just one dimensional. Just the fact that they rely, you know, they would rely so heavily on Dak Prescott's arm. I'm okay with that. Like yeah. I'm I'm willing to let him throw. 30 to 40 passes a game. Let's say stuff the box, blitz him, and let him try and beat you. Yeah, exactly. I just, you know, with Zeke there, that adds a whole other dimension to their game. I mean, uh, the video came out today of him working in Cabo with Marshall Falk for running routes. Ooh. That scares the bejesus out of me. So because, that's a good guy to work with. Yeah, if this guy can come out of the backfield, that just adds another layer to their offense that, you know, I mean, he could always catch before, but, you know, now if he's, like, got, you know, if he's route running efficient – I mean, you're talking about a, a dual threat that you know he wasn't there. That wasn't there before. No, he's definitely putting in the work in the off season. And like I said, if you're a Cowboys fan, you have to be ecstatic about this, right? Because he is your offense. There, you can say what you will about Dak, but honestly, if you don't have Elliott in that lineup, it's a whole different game. And yeah. You, what you want to do to if you're facing the Cowboys is you want to make Dak beat you. You don't want to have right. Ezekiel Elliott. As, say feed me more and keep running the ball down your throat. Yeah, especially once he gets that first first down run, they just feed mm-hmm. off that energy when he starts doing the feed me more. That's that's when that team ignites. You know, it's not when Dak makes a ten yard throw; it's when Zeke gets the ball running. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Once he gets the ball running, it's a whole different dynamic. So, like we say, the Cowboys have their star player back in their offense, and now this raises another question. Okay, where is all the money going to go now towards Dak and everybody else who have to resign? <laughs> I, man, I don't know, but if what Jerry Jones said is to be believed, I mean, he's finally seeing sense like the rest of us and, and finally understanding that the pie is simply not big enough to give everybody what they want. I, I mean, maybe he's obviously looking at the bottom line and maybe willing to move on from Dak if he doesn't have a you know, good year. I mean, listen, they've already sacrificed at positions. <clears throat> Their offensive line is still solid enough to to get, you know, to pass, protect, and run block. So that's not the issue. I mean, those guys are, I think, mostly locked up. They, they, it's their secondary that took the biggest hit, and really the wide receiver core too. I mean, Amari Cooper signed a big deal, but you know, yep. who's their second wide receiver? Couldn't even tell you. Yeah, crickets. I mean, I don't even know. And I'm they're playing the Giants week one. I don't even know. Um, so that just goes to show you that they didn't get a threat. You know, next to Amari Cooper, which so now you can you know double team Amari a little bit and not have to worry about you know Cole Beasley. Or somebody else on the outside beating you. Uh, according to ESPN.com's uh, depth chart for the Dallas Cowboys, their second wide receiver is Michael Gallup. Right, so you're not right. exactly game planning for him. <clears throat> yeah, nope. I'm not worried. So, and then their secondary also took a hit. I mean, they're they're the linebacker core is still intact, and they're you know pretty good, <laughs> pretty damn good. Uh, but their secondary is not, so you can throw the ball on them. You just got to be able to get past their pass rush to be able to throw the ball, which is you know obviously a, a main concern for being a Giants fan. But right. Yeah, I mean, listen, they obviously are investing in the offset off the offensive side of the ball and where this leads Dak, I don't know. I mean, God, uh uh the Rams just paid um Jared Goff, Jared Jared Goff. Goff the, the richest quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah. And made it one Super Bowl. Yeah. One Super Bowl appearance and now he's the highest paid QB in the league right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Exactly. You don't think Dak's looking at that right now, being like, "Yeah, I want a piece of that action." To me, it, it, like they're kind of in the same boat, at least in my mind. Like, are they both good quarterbacks? Yes. Like, I'm not gonna like Jared Goff led his, the the Rams to a Super Bowl in his third year. That's you know very good, very commendable. You know, Dak, very good quarterback. Is he one of the elites? To be determined. You know, time will tell. Do they deserve to get? You know, some form of, of money or an increase in pay with a new contract. Yeah, sure. I you know I can't argue with that. But 
does Jared Goff to me deserve to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL? No, hell no. You went you went no. to one Super Bowl <laughs> and you lost when you had arguably one of the best offensive teams in the NFL going that year, and and your defense was stellar. And you pl- and he and, played and, bad individually, and you mm-hmm. put up a goose egg. I mean, let, yeah, let's not you know sugarcoat it. They might have scored, but goose egg. Yeah, how many points did he put up? Yeah. That is the question you have to ask if you're going to flip it to Goff. And especially if Dak is sitting there watching that in comparison, the only thing Dak can say, well, I didn't get to a Super Bowl like Goff did. But then again, you didn't have balance on both sides of the balls like the Rams did. Right, and the Rams pretty much, I mean, they they built for that year run. They yeah. they went in going like we're going to Miami It was Super Bowl this. or bust. Yeah, right. So for Dak to sit on the sideline, I think he has to temper his expectations, though, and come back down to earth a little bit because if he thinks he's going to get $40 million, especially after Zeke just signed for as the six years, $90 million with, what, 54 guaranteed? 50 even guaranteed. 50 even guaranteed. The money has to stop somewhere. Yeah. And if he wants to be on the winning team, this is where he really has to kind of come down to earth and really you can still get your, get paid because he's yeah. going to definitely make some money off this. And like I say, I'm never going to fault somebody for trying to get more money for their position, especially if you're playing football, which is one of the most physical, demanding yeah. sports in yeah. in all the world. Yeah. So that being said, Dak needs to really kind of – come down on his number and there has to be some really solid negotiating because if Z- Dak leaves, let's say he goes to free agency. Sure. What's the backup plan for Dallas? <laughs> and do you think another team he'd fit in as well and prosper more? I mean, their backup plan would be the draft. Yeah. Right. But where are they drafting? I mean, the, well, the, I mean, look, yeah, obviously they're, they'd have to make a move to get up there to get one of them. But are you, you, are you telling me you have no faith in their current backup quarterback, Cooper Rush? No. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, unless <laughs> unless they try to play free agency, but again, who knows where he's going to be there? But obviously, I would think that Jerry Jones would look at that draft next year and yeah, see you know the talent that's coming out and obviously take that route. I mean, he's an Oklahoma guy, you know. So there's what um, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts that would be coming in the draft. So and it's another mobile quarterback. And if Jerry Jones is really set, you know, in, in liking that style of play. Then Jalen Hurts would be a perfect fit. He'd be drafting one of his boys out of Oklahoma, so it would make yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I, I would think that you would want to, you wouldn't want to have to rebuild with Ezekiel there necessarily because right. I mean, running backs have a shelf life, and it's sub thirty. You know, it's thirty and under. So right, it's it's the honest truth. Yeah, I mean, it's what it is. I, yeah. I mean, so if you're going to try and build a team that's going to win, especially in a division right now that. Really, it's the Eagles and you, you know, Eagles right, and Cowboys. Right. I would go for it. You know, I wouldn't hedge my bet on being like, all right, I'm not going to pay Dak because I'm going to get a quarterback and start from scratch again. Right. And I know you brought up, you know, another team that would, he could possibly end up with and flourish with. I mean, obviously, the first team that comes to mind is the Indianapolis Colts because they just lost Andrew Luck. But they're also, they just re signed Jacoby Brissett for what was it? Two like years, two year deal. And then they, they signed Brian Hoyer for what was it, a three year deal? And yeah, that was three year, like 46 million. That so, was like some weird number. Yeah, so they got those two guys. So could he end up there? Yeah, maybe, but I don't think so, given the fact you just signed two quarterbacks to five years and however many million dollars. The only other one I could see it possibly going to is, is down in Miami because, yeah, you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback and Josh Rosen as the backup. I'm sorry, like if I'm a Dolphins fan and you're saying, you know, you got to give up some pieces, but you get Dak Prescott to be your starting quarterback, I'd be like, yeah, do it. Oh, Miami's all in on Tua. They are tunnel vision. (laughs) They got nothing else on their mind. Yeah, Miami, 
it's going to be a rough season. Yeah. That's all I can really say about that. Week and, two, Josh, week two. And then, well, we'll, we'll have to see what happens <laughs> I mean, week listen, two. Listen, Miami's already struggling if you look at their team calendar for the year. Oh, yeah. They're, the amount of turnover they've had. Yeah. If, if, if For those who aren't familiar with what it is, every team in sports puts out a calendar for the year with, with 12 players that were on the roster, at least at one point. Uh, if you look at the Miami Dolphins roster for the 2019 uh, calendar year, uh, eight of the 12 players on that calendar are gone. I actually got the early edition for the Giants, and all 12 pictures are Daniel Jones. <laughs> it's crazy. It's the, the best calendar the Christmas, going. The, the December picture, It's let me just say it's quite lovely. Yes, and he's going to be you know the focal point of the Giants moving forward. But for the Dallas, I mean, they have their focal point now back with Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Whatever happens with Dak moving forward, he has to ball out of his mind if he thinks I, he's going to get anywhere near for, that money. For wants, sure. So. He's, yeah. Listen, if he has a suspect year and they don't make the playoffs, they're not. They're not going to pay him. No. I don't. I'm, no. I don't know. They. If you don't make the playoffs, and I know I just said that if you have Ezekiel Elliott and you you know you shelf life blah 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 that you'd want to invest in a quarterback that's ready. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if you don't make the playoffs this year, given the way the NFC East Easy. is. I goodbye. I mean, right, I would yeah. that then I'd be willing to try and get one of these quarterbacks in the draft. Right, because as good as Ezekiel Elliott is, and as as good as he is on the running game and, and everything else, you know, he can only do so much. You know, you can't hand him the ball 150 times a game and go here, run it down their throat so that we can win the game because you're the best offensive piece on our team. You know, his legs are going to fall off by the bye week. You know, you got to have Dak Prescott there. And like you said, Dak's got to deliver. Well, I mean, look at just what happened with Todd Gurley. I mean, he was getting 30 to 40 touches a game with the Rams. And look what happened towards the end of the playoffs. His yeah. Knees, you know, the tendonitis started acting up, and he was not the same player in the NFC Championship game and especially the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, I mean, if you are now investing in a running back that we just said, you know, has a shelf life of sub 30 years old, you got to win something while you got him. Right. Yeah, because the window is going to start slowly closing. And it's just mm-hmm. the fact of life. And for Dallas, I mean, they're built to win now per se. Their defense is suspect. That's right. the one area that we can honestly say there are some holes that they have not fixed. Sure. But their offense is ready to go. Amari Cooper is going to step up. Oh, you, yeah. You have Jason Witten back, which he's not a game changer, but he's a security blanket for Dak. He, yeah. He's an out. If like you look at all his other options on offense and everybody's covered and you've been like, listen, if I just chuck it up, I know Witten's going to be there and catch it. Yeah, I mean, listen, Amari, Co- Amari Cooper is a number one wide receiver. I oh, mean, yeah. I would put him in the top five right now with you know wide receivers. So he's going to be even when he's covered, still going to be open. Oh yeah. So I mean, and this is just going to be another year. I mean, let's. He was like a you know a top five top finished top five wide receivers. And he got traded midseason to Dallas. So imagine a full year of the two of them clicking. And, yeah, and then Jason Witten. I mean, obviously a year off. Maybe, I mean, we don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. You know, he might really come back and be reinvigorated that year off. Maybe he was still working out, staying in shape and all that. That he might come back and actually put up a solid season. You know, Pro Bowl maybe, not necessarily, but could. So offensively they're going to be fine, but, I mean – they're not. They're they're also at the same time not built to score thirty points a game. No. no, and they're not built to stop a team from scoring thirty points a game. Right. So it's really going to be a race of how much can the offense put up, and how much can the defense then stop? Right. Because if they can score twenty seven, twenty four a game, you got to have your defense step up and and hold the team out. That's just the way it is. You got to get stops. 
if your offense is scoring 30 points, 30 plus points a game, your defense has to make stops. And I don't know if their defense necessarily can, especially if they play like a team like the Saints. Oh, God. Saints Saints in the Superdome. Drew Brees would literally just be picking them apart with that secondary. It'd be a Madden game. Especially Michael Thomas. Good Lord. It'd be a Madden game. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Kansas City, if they came, even if they came to Dallas, Patrick Mahomes would just be dropping dimes everywhere. Yes. So Dallas, like I say, they have their offense system set. Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott's back in camp. They're ready to go. Are there? Is their defense going to be ready? That's going to be the big question going in. Funny you mentioned the Dallas playing New Orleans in the Superdome. That actually happens this season. Yep. Week four, uh, Sunday night football in New Orleans. That could be seriously a forty-one to twenty-seven game. Yeah. Uh-huh. I f- for sure. I'll even give you that prediction right now. Let's see if I'm right. Yeah. I mean, I would take that. I would take that. I think that would probably be the line right about there. Probably. We'll have to see. So before we close out of the first segment, is there any other big NFL news that we want to cover right now? Well, I feel like we got to at least mention the Antonio Brown latest because, Lord have mercy, this feels like this soap opera is never-ending. Uh, of course, as we sit here, we everyone knows about the issues that's been going on between Helmet Gate and everything else. Uh, he has picked a new helmet uh, since he lost his second uh, appeal or whatever you want to call it with the NFL. Uh, he has chosen to wear the zenith shadow helmet and there's a if you go to adam schefter's facebook page there's a photo of antonio holding said helmet but that's not the only antonio brown news we have uh he was uh fined fifty four thousand dollars by the uh oakland raiders for not attending some uh practices during the uh preseason and he took to his instagram story to say when your own team want to hate but there's no stopping uh stopping me Stopping me now. Devil is a lie. Everyone got to pay this year, so we clear. And then he tagged the Raiders, and it was a photo of the letter he received from the uh, Mike Mayock, the general manager of the Oakland Raiders. Thoughts on that, Coach? I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean, yeah, he missed days of practice. Like, yeah. I mean, I it's, mean it, it literally states in the CBA, yeah. we have to find you. Yeah, it, says like, in, it says in the letter, you know, the whole bit about he missed the walkthrough on August 22nd. Your absence from presence practice was unexcused. Quote, accordingly, you are hereby fined $13,950 pursuant to Article 42, Section A, Section 1A8 of the NFL Collective Bargaining Agreement and the Raiders Club Discipline Schedule. Close quote. Yeah, I mean, they have to do it. Yeah. It was an unexcused absence. I mean, nobody is exempt from this. I mean, if yeah. if, if Tom Brady, or Eli Manning, or Drew Brees, or misses, Daniel Jones, or Daniel Jones misses a practice for any reason whatsoever, and it's not ex- an excused, you know, it's like in, it's like when you're back in elementary school, you got an unexcused absence, you're going to get in trouble for that. I, Same is said for practice in the NFL. Unless you got a darn good reason, like your wife is going into labor or a family member's dying, like if it's an unexcused absence, they're going to find you. That, that I mean, and that's what makes this whole situation so weird because not to mention just the helmet thing, but then you also have the foot problem. Yeah. So, like, I mean, we, we, we really don't know why he didn't show up. I mean, we just yeah. we don't know. So it's like, did he not? Did he want to blame it on the helmet and not show up because they didn't want him to examine his foot? Could that be the case? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's it's just it's a weird. The whole thing is weird, the, from top to bottom, from the way that it was handled to the way that it was released to the press, yeah. to to the what was released today, to now being removed from social media posts, to now him having a helmet and being back at practice. It's like, why did you trade this guy just to put him on blast all the time? Yeah. 
I just don't understand. I mean, at this point, I would just feel like if I was the Raiders, I'd be like, cut bait and run. Right. This is the best drama on TV on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Yeah, I mean, yeah. bar none. I, I saw a tweet today from somebody that said, can we please get week six of Hard Knocks and see this? Yeah. And the oh, way this Lord. played out. I mean, that would be great. Honestly, what can you say that hasn't been said? This whole drama, and, and I'm hoping for Raider fans, this can turn around and be a positive. I really am. I'm not trying to you know just completely just bash this, but this drama just keeps escalating. Because here's, here's how this is going to go. If he shows up week one and he balls out of his mind, nobody's going to give a you-know-what about helmet gate, foot gate. Right. The conversation is going to be, Oh, look at how good he is! Look, at, he still got it despite all of the, all the stuff he's been going through in the offseason. He still got it. But if he doesn't, and he has a, a subpar game by Antonio Brown standards, you're going to hear about it for another week, and you're going to keep hearing about it. Four, four catches, forty three yards is not going to cut it. I no. mean, it's the right now, and this is how bad Denver is. The game's a push in Denver. Yeah. yeah. So that's how bad things are in Denver. But the fact that even it's a push with Oakland coming in there yeah. just goes to show that literally Vegas has no idea what either of these teams are going to do because if Antonio Brown comes in and does play well, he is still a very good wide receiver and yeah. still yeah. can be a number one and a top five guy. But if he is, is so distracted and the the locker room is just so venomous right now, I mean, like you said, if he goes four for 43 – Without a touchdown and maybe some drops, right? Oh lord! I mean, because you, you really think about it, you got Derek Carr's back, you got Antonio Brown's there. You know, you got some good offensive weapons. The conversation for Oakland should be, oh, they they should have a really good year this year. Like they should, you know, m- maybe win the division, maybe make a run in the an, playoffs. Who an knows? Eight, eight year surprise teams, you, you know? know. But what's the conversation been for the better part of like three or four months? Antonio Brown. What's John Gruden answering questions about instead of, hey, what are you going to do about Denver on on uh, Monday night? They're not asking that. They're oh, uh, what's the latest with Antonio Brown? Did you did you see Antonio Brown's post on social media today? He literally, I mean, the first episode of Hard Knocks, John Gruden came out and said, "Nobody expects anything from us." That's your head coach, yeah, who's giving that speech, yeah. Like that's not how you want to go into a room and, and open your you know your talk with teams. So I mean, listen, this this Antonio Brown thing is only going to get worse if he doesn't play well. And if he does play well, then guess what? We're going to be probably talking about Ezekiel Elliott's performance on Monday. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun discussion to have, and I think I have to close the segment by addressing the Bills' crazy cut that they did. Okay. Releasing okay. LaShawn McCoy, sure. yeah, okay. who is now with Kansas City. Sure. Running back news was heavy this week. It was very heavy. Kansas City, I think, found the one piece of their offense puzzle that they needed. Sure. And I think McCoy is going to have a great start of that season. Can he hold up, though, at this stage in his career? Hard to say. That's the problem I, I think that they might find. With, I, with as offensively gifted as that uh, Kansas City team is. Yeah. I think he adds name value to the position that they didn't have a name at. I mean, I, I still think Williams, who was slated to be the starting running back, is going to play well and probably going to get some run. You know, I mean – Listen, they're not going to run the ball twenty times, no. twenty to thirty times a game. They just—that's not the way that this offense is built. So you know, bringing in Shady, I think, given the age and everything, it's actually going to be beneficial for him being in an offense like this because you know he's not going to have to be a north-south runner like he was in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say you know that Buffalo didn't utilize him correctly because right. he still had games. It's just he's not built as the premier running back that's going to get 
20 to 30 carries a game that's going to be north-south runs. Yeah, he's you know, Ezekiel he's, Elliott. Yeah, he's an east-west guy. He wants to have the stretch runs. He doesn't want to be going up the middle. Not to say that he can't, just saying like that's when, not you, his style. when you look at what made him successful in Philadelphia, it was the zone runs that were going to the outside mm-hmm. that he was then able to bounce and get outside on, on the edge and then you know break and use his speed. So I think Andy Reid will utilize that, and he may only get you know 10 to 15 runs a game, right. but that's going to keep longevity for him going into the playoffs, which I think is only going to help Kansas City. Oh, yeah. I fully agree, and I think the move is smart. I actually called this on Facebook, too, that the minute he got released from Buffalo, which I, I knew was coming as a Bills fan, it's been talked about for a while that sure. they were going to try trading him or moving him. It just depends on when because I know he had a lot of incentive on his contract that I think it was just more that based. So for the Bills to make the move, I'm okay with it, which I know some Bills fans are going like, how can you be okay with this? Devin Singletary will be okay. Frank Gore is inadequate backup yeah, right now. absolutely. And, and TJ Eldon, I mean, listen, he's not the number one guy, but they have a running back by committee that is all solid, in my opinion. Yeah. And Yeldon obviously was, you know, having a prime, a premier backup role to one of the best running backs, obviously, in oh, the, yeah. you know, with Leonard Fournette in yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah. So now maybe there might be a game where he's hot, and instead of pulling him because, you know, you have to give the ball to Fournette, he might be able to stay in and get a few more carries and might convert those. I'll say teams in the NFL, especially the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, have shown as good as it is to have a, you know, number one overall running back, you know, the go-to guy. You can very much survive without one and have a running back by committee. Yeah, as long as you're moving the chains, that's all that matters. Absolutely. And for the Bills, they'll be fine. That I, I know I was talking to some other Bills fans, and they're like, okay, the season's already a wash. And I'm like, how are you saying that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, McCoy has had some great games as a Bill. Yeah. But he hasn't been lights out. No. He, he was not the same. I, I mean, obviously, first off, the fact that they couldn't trade him shows that the trade value it was not there. Exactly. And, I mean, I doubt that Buffalo – I mean, at this point, when you're trying desperately to move a guy, I'm sure you're probably saying, hey – we'll take even a sixth or a seventh, you know, just get them off of our hands. So if a team's not biting on that, then you have to release them. And when you release him, I mean, obviously Kansas City jumped on it right away, but if you can't trade a guy, that means that the, the NFL also sees that there isn't a return on their investment. Right, I mean, it's, he's 31 years old. You know, we know the history with with NFL quarter or running back, excuse me, once they hit that 30-year age mark, teams start losing interest a little bit more. Yeah, and it's just up against father time. And for the position of running back, once you hit 30, very few running backs stay yeah. at that elite level yeah. for right. long. For no, long not time. at all. I mean, it's not a knock on anybody. It's just facts. So for the Bills to make the move, I'm okay with it. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. The running back by committee is, I think, even better for Josh Allen to really grasp the offensive reins and just really make it his team. Well, yeah, they're not going to have to force to get the running, uh, you know, any running back in particular more than you know five or maybe ten looks a game at most. So, yeah, I mean, I mean that's beneficial for him because now he's not going to have to force the issue. Yeah, and the same thing with the wide receiving core. So the the Bills will be fine. Yeah. And for Kansas City, it's a smart move. He knows Andy Reid. He knows the system he's going to be in. He's going to instantly well, take off and do this, some numbers. This isn't the Philadelphia Andy Reid. It's not, <laughs> but you know what? There's The scheme's still there. The and scheme's the, still there. And the, and the vernacular is probably still the same, but this is not the same Andy Reid that was in Philly. So it will be fun to see him with this version of yeah. Andy Reid, actually. Yeah. It definitely will be. I mean, we can't wait to see that on Sunday. And then Thursday we kick off. 
So it'll be a definitely fun time this week. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts going into week one of the NFL? What's the big stories for your team? We want to know. Hit us up on that hashtag. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk a little MMA action. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge, huge fight this weekend. Mm-hmm. Pad, you want to break it down for us? Yeah, of course. we got UFC 242 taking place this Saturday, September 7th, 2019. Habib Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier uh, at taking place in Abu Dhabi at the United Arab Emirates. What time would uh, that start time be on the East Coast? Yeah, it's a little early because, of course, it's over in the Middle East there. Uh, early prelims on ESPN Plus are 10.15 in the morning Eastern time. Regular prelims are noon Eastern on ESPN Plus. Main card on pay-per-view is 2 p.m. A little cup of Java, a little UFC, yeah. nothing like uh, watching people get their heads smashed in the yeah. morning. Yeah. Well, if it's anything like this past weekend when they had the fight card over in uh, China. Yeah. It's definitely going to be worth the watch, which Mm -hmm. I want to address very quickly. Wheelie Zhang dominated Jessica Andron. I got to give a shout out to her also. Uh, I guess she's a big Tom Brady fan, and she got a shout out from Tom Brady. The way she fought that fight, which she went straight at Andron, Mm -hmm. which Andron was coming, like the style was, it reminded me of like Vanderlei Silva, like she was going straight forward, and Zhang did not back up. No. She went right at her and took her out quick. Mm -hmm. 42 seconds in the first round. Real quick. Which I was so happy when I got up, and I was like, because it was early in the morning, and I was like, whoa, this is going down. I'll say like the whole thing was over and done with by like, I want to say it was like 8.45, 9 o'clock in the morning, Eastern. Yeah, they were moving pretty quick on the fight. Yeah. And th- I mean, the fight card was great too. So fight night 157 was very, very good. And like I said, Zhang winning the strawweight title was huge. Yeah. And obviously how she did it too. Incredible. Now she's 20 and one and coming off a 42 second knockout. Look out. But that was last week. So we have to get back to this week and Habib versus Poirier. This is going to be one of the fights of the year. In my opinion, could be a barn burner. So let's go around the room for predictions. Starting with coach. Who you got in this one? Habib. I mean, the man fights bears. I mean, the dude is just, he's on another level right now. I mean, he's on another planet. It's, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't argue with facts. And I mean, this guy just, he dominates and his standup game's only gotten better. The only thing I worry about is that he's been out of the octagon for now nine plus months. Yeah, his well, uh, almost almost a year, almost uh, a year, eleven months. His last fight, of course, was against Conor McGregor back at UFC 229 on October sixth of 2018. I mean, so that's a long time to be out of the octagon for. Sure, even for a guy who you know has you know such a dominant ground game to be you know yeah. away from. Yeah, and Poirier will fight and stand up with anybody. So I mean, I. It, it, Obviously, he has a puncher's chance. I think probably anybody in the world, when they get in there, yeah. does. Yeah. But I just think Abib is so dominant. I think he's so – and the dude's so goddamn angry. Yeah. He's yeah. an angry man that I just think he's going to come in and he's going to want to just 
the break you. Yeah, he's just going to want to release everything over the last year that happened, and he's going to want to put that, you know, the monkey off of his back, uh, which would be the McGregor fight, and get rid of that and move on. Yeah. And a dominating performance here would do that. Well, and he he's even come out and said because you know the 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 big I guess you know meal course everyone in the UFC wants these days is is. Uh, you know, legacy fights, uh, you know, all big name fights against big name fighters, you know, but Habibi even came out and said, listen, I, my legacy is going to be about title defenses. I don't care about fighting, you know, major big name fighters and having a, a incredible record against, you know, every major fighter in the promotion at this time. I want to win title defenses, but I mean, you look at the record 27 and 0, you know, his, he beat Connor. He's beating Conor McGregor, Al Iaquinta, Edson Barboza, Michael Johnson, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, you know, Tiago T- uh, Tavares, the I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. And and you look on the flip side at Dustin Poirier. Uh, he beat Max Holloway uh, at UFC 236 by unanimous decision. Uh, he knocked out Eddie Alvarez. He knocked out Justin Gaethje. He, knocked, he uh, had a technical knockout uh, with a rib injury against uh, Showtime. You know, there was a no contest because of an illegal knee against Eddie Alvarez. He beat Jim Miller. I mean, his last loss was against tonight was against Michael Johnson way back in September 17th of 2016 on a fight night. Yes, this fight has all the components you want. Mm-hmm. You have Habib, who is arguably pound for pound the best on the planet right now. Also, the scariest you know what on the planet. Yeah, he fears nobody. He no. has taken on every single challenger, and no matter who he's stepped in the cage with, he has dominated. He's he's got that grin. Like if you, if you ever see him, he's got that like little grin he does. It almost looks like something out of a horror movie. They're like you're like ah. Well, he is just has that mystique about him. Like yeah. like we talk about like in his prime Anderson Silva had that mystique like yeah. when you walk in the cage and you knew that you were fighting You're in for a fight. You were in for a fight. Yeah, the way John is right now. Yeah, John has the same kind of mystique, but Habib is different though. Because there is just one simple game plan and that is he puts pressure on you standing up and on the ground. And if he gets mm-hmm. you to the ground, I don't want to say it's lights out, but it more or less is. That you are lucky if you survive the round. Well, say so he Habib's got more wins by submission than he does knockout. Yeah, Habib does not mess around. He's going in there with a mission, and he wants to cement his legacy. Yeah. And obviously, take the Connor drama out of the equation. Yeah, and you take a list or look at who's who of who he's fought. Mm-hmm. He has beaten everybody, and he's beaten them decisively. Yeah, I mean, Ayakinta, I believe, is took him to decision. Yep, and. I, it was nothing against Ayakinta, too, because he hung in there. He didn't really show the blueprint of how to beat Habib. Right. But he definitely showed that you can hang there and survive if you have very good wrestling skill. That being said, Poirier has skill. He will scrap with anybody. He has fought a lineage of names on the featherweight side and the lightweight side mm-hmm. of the coin. He has gone in there, and he scraps, and he has really – sharpened his game 155 is his weight class he should fight at i know he dabbled at 145 and he just he didn't look right to me in my opinion him at 155 is the weight class for him and he has definitely carved his way into this opportunity to fight habib so that being said i am taking habib so am i i mean just look at the you look at the the pedigree of work with habib i just no disrespect to dustin poirier don't see it happening no, I would like to see Poirier win. Sure. Just because he has a very good underdog story. And if you've been following MMA for a long time, he has always been a, a fan favorite. He has always gone in the cage. He has always laid it out 
no matter what. If you want to have a crazy brawl, he's gotten into crazy brawls. If you want to get into a crazy submission exhibition, take a look at the fight against the Korean zombie, and he didn't Ugh. come out on that side. Ugh. But how that was literally like the fight, that back-and-forth action, he showed he can definitely hang no matter where you want to take the fight. The question is going to be, can he handle Habib's wrestling style, that Sambo style that he does? I don't know. I don't know if anybody can really handle it. Right. The only fighter that I know that we haven't seen, and for whatever reason, the fight gods have not blessed us with this, is him against Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Which I know Ferguson, they offered to have him come down there and be in weight condition in case somebody was a fill-in, and he has declined, and he said, no, I want the guaranteed fight. Sure. I don't want to waste my time going all the way across the world just to sit in the stands. If Habib wins... You have to make this fight. I don't care if you have to put everybody in bubble wrap and make sure they don't have contact with anybody. So you got to lock them in a padded room and not let them out. Well, then I, I thought I heard somewhere Tony Ferguson's name associated with Connor too. No, he's not doing that fight. He's he's publicly came. out. I mean, at, the, at this point, anyone and their mother is associated with fighting Connor McGregor. Yeah, it's true too. Well, yeah. Well, I'll say this: if Ferguson fights Connor, Ferguson's going to run through Connor. Oh God, yeah. The pace that Ferguson can keep a fight at. And the amount of volume he throws, I think, can actually stop Habib. I truly do. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if he would win, and I have to kind of see how Habib handles a performance against Poirier, because Poirier can put the pressure on. I mean, he's the diamond for the reason. He can definitely make it an uncomfortable fight for Habib. But is he going to apply that much pressure to a guy that only knows go straight forward and yeah. can take the fight there? His striking is nothing to sneeze at. Right. Habib can strike. He can definitely throw some hands. I mean, he, he was hitting what Michael Johnson would look like with a broken arm. Something at, like at that, one point, yeah. like, it just looked like his arm was completely mangled, and he just kept throwing it. Habib is one of those guys that he just has an intangible that you have to fight a perfect fight against. Can Poirier do it? I'd like to see it just for an underdog story. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. I mean, I would really love to see it. Just because it would cause a little shakeup too in the lightweight division, but you can't take anything away from Habib. No, he is that skillful. He is that good. You have to give him his due. And I truly think after this, the only fight you can make is Ferguson. There isn't anybody else that you can make that fight against that makes a lot of sense. I'd say if Cerrone didn't lose against Ferguson, yeah, you can make that argument. Well, that's if Cerrone wins his fight next week against Justin Gaethje. Which I will tell you this. That'll be Rock'em Sock'em Robots. We will talk about that next week. Yeah. Oh, oh, trust me. We will have a lot to say about that fight. But for this week, though, it's Habib until further notice. The Connor thing you can put on the back burner. I mean, I don't know where he's going to go. And, and frankly, at this point, Connor's got some other issues he's got to worry about. Yeah. And fighting is not one of them right now. No. So that being said, UFC 242 is this weekend on mm -hmm. ESPN+. Plus. If you're in the States. If you're in the States. Wherever you watch fights internationally, it is not the only card that is happening. No, uh, we got a little interesting one that kind of when I was looking at the uh, MMA schedule on ESPN.com, it jumped out to me a little bit. Uh, Bellator 226 taking place uh, this Saturday. Uh, you got Ryan Bader versus Czech Congo. Hey, I, those names are familiar. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, for me, Bader is found his niche in Bellator. He looks like a completely different fighter than what he was in the UFC. Well, say the thing that jumps out to me is his record, according to this uh, fight card on ESPN.com, he's twenty-seven and five. Yeah, Bader has looked impressive since he has left the UFC, 
And I, if you want to talk about a dream fight, I'd love to see him and John Jones match yeah, up. No, I was waiting for him to mention. I know that. you, you love that. Did they fight each other at least once? They oh, fought John. Each, they fought each other in the UFC, and it was a title right. shot uh, eliminator, I guess. Yeah, something it was, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. going I, for the title because I, I think they both were undefeated at that time, and John dominated. Just yeah, uh, I would say I remember him running through him. Yeah. So now at this stage, Bader is a completely different fighter. I think he could hang with John. Sure. I don't know if the outcome would be different because John is John. <laughs> I, I, till further knows John is John. Well, so. I mean, what's better good at? Because that's what John will do to beat him. Yeah, John will. It'll be a wrestling match, and right. it'll be a lot of the same of the first. But who knows? I mean, Bader might switch it up. We don't know. He's become more of a developed fighter right. since he's left, and that's the point I'm getting at. Chicago, he has definitely been in the fight game a long time. This is going to be a fun one for Bellator's heavyweight title. This could go a lot of different ways, but Bader, I think, has just looked too good. I'll say, holy cow, I'm looking at the, the tail of the tape, if you will, on this. You know, uh, Congo's got a two-inch uh, height advantage on him. He's got a 30-pound uh, weight advantage on uh, Ryan Bader. Holy moly. Good God. Yeah. Yeah, if he gets him on the ground, just will lay on the guy, huh? Yeah. It, it, could be, it could be a long night for him, but I think Bader is going to pull this one out. I mean... I could see this one go in decision. This could go a lot of different ways, but I think that might happen because Congo will definitely press him and definitely use his size advantage to really kind of create some space and get some shots off. Yeah, it takes place. You can watch it live on Dazen or Dazone, whatever the heck you want to call this thing. I like to call it Dazen. Sure. I like it Dazen too. Yeah. But this is definitely going to be something to check out as an MMA fan. I mean, it's coming from San Jose. And Bellator 226, I mean, it's a solid fight night. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll just say I love the fact that MMA does this. You know, you got a good UFC card, but then you also have a good Bellator card. It, and they seem to do it all the time, yeah. which I think is great because, you know, if you don't like one, you can always just watch the other. Exactly. It's much like pro wrestling. That sure. You, that, you know, you have a couple – promotions that are super big but then there's also some that are on the rise and you know you like your indie well promotions. it's like bellator always will like whenever they have like a big you know ufc is a big show they'll put on something on you know network television for free yeah and it'll be right. like some premier matchup so it's like you know old school wcw style booking like pay-per-view style matches against you know wwe's like more lackadaisical cards so it's 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 just fun co uh, competition and plus you have to look at it too making that comparison wwe versus wcw that Bellator did acquire one services of one Chris Cyborg yeah. to their yeah, uh, which promotion. Yeah, which is big for them. That's huge. Yeah, it's a good signing. I think it would be huge for both parties. For Bellator, it's a very big name that they can add to their women's division. Yeah. And for Cyborg, there's no more drama from the UFC. No. Let's see what you do now. I uh, bet you that she might even be a little elite. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for for Bellator, it's also a face for their women's division because not to knock any of the female fighters that are in that division. As a you know casual, like I see the results and I see the I see highlights and whatnot, but I don't actively go out and watch Bellator just because. Well, they haven't really given me a reason to in the last you know however many years. Yeah, sure. You know, it's it's a face for the casuals like myself who you know, honest to God, couldn't name you one fighter in the Bellator women's division. I certainly like at, don't like go at any my way. like at any weight class. Well, for me, like I watch a lot more MMA than anybody here on the panel, so for, I like I know a lot of the names down there. That's why I like talking about them. And for Cyborg to go over there, I, like I said, I think it's a smart move. I think it's a bad move that the UFC didn't resign her, and right. I will be the first one to say that because you had your prime MMA fight between her and Amanda Nunez. 
the rematch should have happened. It didn't. So now Cyborg can carve her own legacy in Bellator, and I guarantee mm-hmm. you that she'll be the face of their women's division right? moving forward. And that is pr- what she wants. Is she wants to... She feels that she has earned that right, and she definitely has. I mean, she had one bad loss to Nunez. Right. She has looked dominant against everybody else you've thrown at her. So why not push her as the face of your promotion? Yeah. You can't argue that. No. So definitely kudos to Bellator for pulling off that signing, and Saturday is just going to be such a fun day of MMA action. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What fight promotion are you looking most forward to watching this weekend, UFC or Bellator? And what's your predictions on the fights? We want to know. Hit us up on that hashtag. We'll take a quick break and be right back. What's up, nerds? My name is Rich. And I'm Derek. And together, we're two-thirds of the Three Fat Nerds Podcast, and we're here to tell you about a convention that we are actually sponsoring in Oneonta, New York. On October 4th and 5th, in Oneonta, New York, at the... Oneonta Foothills Performing Arts Center, Sci-Fi and Horror Fest will take place. And at Sci-Fi and Horror Fest, you can see Courtney Gaines, star of Children of the Corn. And the paranormal heartthrob, Dustin Parra. And of Jill Whitlow, who is in a movie that you really like, right? The greatest comedy of all time, Mask. How did he fit into that Dodgers cap? Of course, will you, there's be a ton of more other people. Of course, our friend Rusty Gilligan will be there. Len Oddity will be there. And of course, our favorite MVPs of Sci-Fi Horror Fest, Freestyle Confections, giving you all those tasty treats. All that and so much more. Uh, tickets start at $10 for the weekend, $6 for one day. You can get your tickets at SciFiHorrorFest.com. And please follow them on Facebook, Sci-Fi Horror Fest. We hope to see you in Oneana on October 4th and 5th for Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH, and we time to run those ropes, shall we? Oh, yeah. Time to talk a little pro wrestling action Yes. this weekend. Thoughts on the action going down? A lot of great matches over the weekend. A lot of good stuff. Uh, you know, I was uh, not too keen on everything. Break it down for us? Well, I mean, personally for me, I just... The pacing of the show was weird. Um, You're talking you know, about all elite. Sorry, yeah. I just meant um, in general. Yeah, well, in general, it was a great weekend. I'm just for me, I, I'm more particular. I, I didn't really get to catch any of the uh, uh, UK show NXT yet, UK. so yeah, I haven't gotten to see any of that. But uh, I'm more in particular the all elite. Just I, I don't know. The pacing was weird. The ending was weird, as we had talked about and previewed. Yeah, you know, going in that whole match. Yeah. The way that played out was weird. Uh, so just, yeah, I, I think All Elite's got a long way to go, but I heard great things on UK. I heard it was a brilliant show. I heard it was pretty much just damn near flawless. Walter, yeah. Walter and Tyler Bates. Ouch. Yeah. Amazing. Ow. Amazing match. Like, that is in match of the year contention. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Um, we did actually, we were over at uh, hashtag 607 podcast. Uh, 8122 Productions watching with the 3FN, and we actually, Dog and I, the dog, oh, yeah. who is current reigning, defending Excite Wrestling, King of Bing Champion, if you've been <laughs> following our Twitter. Uh, we, say, I can think of a few guys in the Excite camp that'll be coming for that show, that uh, title. They can talk to Dog or Johnny Moose about that. But we were over watching over at Dragon Master Games, and we actually wound up doing a live reaction show on yeah. the 3FN network. So definitely, if you're following 3 Fat Nerds pod, you definitely want to go check that episode out, because you heard Dog and I give our Instant reactions to the event. 
Sure. Which, I mean, All Elite has got some work to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, the it wasn't the worst thing I'd ever seen, but it wasn't like I wasn't coming out of it like glowing about how great it was. I mean, I was talking with some friends who weren't able to make it, but they were like, "Oh, how was the show?" I'm like, "Meh, it was, you know, it was okay." I, you that's know, a, probably a really good way to describe it. Yeah, it was okay. There were some good moments and there were some fun moments, but there was just a lot of moments where I was like, "Why? Like, what are what are we doing here? Like, what is the purpose of this?" I mean, for me, the highlight. The, the entire uh, card was probably the ladder match between the, the Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks. Like outside of that, like it was kind of eh, okay. It was kind of whole hum after that. I mean, yeah, honestly, there, yeah. Was, there was good action. We we don't take anything away from everybody who's performing in the ring, right? Nothing away from that, right? But just overall, though, for being your quote unquote WrestleMania pay per view, yeah, it really kind of fell flat. I mean, the only thing I would say that kind of worked in their favor was. It, to a certain degree, the production had gotten a little better. Not much. They need, still need some work, but there wasn't any moments like the last uh, All Elite show that I saw where they were cutting to a different camera angle while someone was giving a finisher. Well, I'll say my my pet peeve with that ladder match was that damn camera on the hard side, or that damn ladder on the hard side, yeah. the hard camera. Um, I mean, it totally, it was, you know, a depth perception issue for me i mean it just i i couldn't see the action clearly when they were going in the ring and i mean the other thing with the ladder match was for all intents and purposes when you're trying to promote yourself as being and you know you and i talked about on our way to excite you know if you're sitting here and you're trying to advertise yourself as an alternative and being you know sports driven and wins and losses matter right the urgency that these guys had to climb up the ladder was null until yeah. the very very end yeah which i feel like if you're trying to be different don't set up for a million different spots right and clearly you know put the table out for it to be used later i mean just get to the part that we want to see which is you getting to the ladder yeah getting up the ring and the ladder see to me the problem was and what has happened with these ladder matches is you know when sean and razor set the bar for ladder matches back in you know the 90s it was the ladder was there as just a means to an end and wasn't just like there for a spot show. You know, mm-hmm. like the ladder right. was used in a way that it was like, you know, fresh and it wasn't like, all right, we're just going to put the ladder to the side of the ring. Like the ladder was constantly in the center of the ring. Sure. And they worked around the ladder sure. versus the ladder working them. Sure. And that's what these ladder matches have become. Just the ladder is just there as a prop versus being there as, you know, the important factor to get to the ultimate goal of winning the belt. You know, so I, that really kind of turned me off. I, the match was tremendous, and the yeah. moves were great. That Canadian destroyer, the Canadian destroyer, destroyer was. Ladder. I mean, Ow. necessary, absolutely not. But did it look great? Sure. Um, you know, so I mean, I mean, was the Selena Del Sol off the ladder necessary a couple of years ago? <laughs> yeah, I mean, did so, it happen? Yeah. So yeah, and the main event to me was just a dud. Well, you bring up pet peeves. I think one of my pet peeves was was you brought up how wins and losses matter in AEW. And I got to admit, you know, I did not know that that was a thing mm-hmm. until Rich from 3FN said to me as much as what it was. Because when the I noticed this fairly early in the card, uh, I think it was when you had the tag team match between Private Party and then uh, against Angelico and Jack Evans. 
where they came out and you had the you know you had the names of who they were and then their Twitter handles, which you know every wrestling promotion sure. does this. But then there were these two little boxes next to it with like a wins loss thing, and I had no me personally, I didn't know that the whole wins loss thing meant something in AEW and it was gonna like count towards something. So I'm sitting there going, what in God's name is this? Because it was on the right side of the screen and it was so small that you could not read the font for what it was representing. Yeah, Cody had said early on that the wins losses were gonna matter. I didn't realize that they were going to put up a stat box right and i could about it i and i was sitting off to the side of the television we were watching i could see the numbers for wins losses but i couldn't tell what they were like the category they were representing yeah once again you have team cody versus team kenny yeah and well, nobody's on the same page i'll tell you in the the women's side of things too you were that's very prevalent yeah camp, camp cody versus camp omega it's very, very prevalent because just the way that some of the women's stuff was booked sure. was just weird. Yeah. Well, the whole battle royal, and I talked about this on the 3FN show, I don't like how they have everybody come out at once. No. I, it's garbage. Cause, cause it's, it, got, it, it kind of takes away from the mystique of like a battle royal or right. a royal rumble type I, match. Like when they do it at Raw, I hate that. Like yeah. just, I understand that you're not going to get everybody out in 30 seconds or less right. and do that gimmick, but like... To start with forty guys or forty women in the ring. Well, and they even botched the the, the match on during the show because the now I get why they do it this way because they want to be different. They don't want to copy other promotions. I understand that, but they even botched it where they had the one suit or the one group come out and they had the timer count out, count down, and shout out to the fans in the crowd still doing the eh, when the timer <laughs> hit zero. Love it, you know. But they had the one thing hit and then they started playing music or whatever it was, and the camera cut to the ramp and the entrances, and nobody was coming out. And, and the, you, that, that forced the the announcers to go. Oh, looks like we're having a little bit of a delay here. Like it was it was awkward. Like the mute, they're playing music. Counter hit zero. They said whatever suit is out next, and nobody's coming out. They're hitting the cough button and getting. Hey, somebody in the back! Like we need somebody coming out. Yeah, yeah. Because to explain that, they based their uh, buy-in. That's what they refer to AEW's uh, pre-show as, and yeah. they they call it Casino Battle Royal. So everybody has a suit, a jack, uh, or I mean diamonds, clubs, hearts, and spades. Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird how they how they do that. So like I said, they got some work to do going into their debut on television. Right. So hopefully they can get the ship right. I hope they succeed. I really want them to, but they yeah. a lot of work. I would like to talk main title just a little bit more with sure, you guys, sure. but I just want to talk about what stole the show and okay. talk about positive before we get real negative. Okay. And that was Orange Cassidy's debut. <laughs> the man My the God. So good. He, that was perfectly, that, if there was anything they did right, I mean, and it was obvious that he was coming out. I mean, it was pretty much you know, advertised that this was going to, that the, like the way that the thing was, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the, the way that it was happening and everything, yeah, yeah. it was telegraphed, I should say. Yeah. Um, but then with the pockets, the dive through the middle, oh my God. the comeback in, the so kip good. up, the fixing of the hair, yeah. never hands, never leave the pocket. So, so well done. So well executed. You know, the best friends coming in, yeah. them hugging him in the middle, him not reacting to it. Fan freaking tastic! Loved loved every minute of it. I think the only thing I loved more was the the person I saw on Twitter say, "I can't even sit down on my own couch with my hands in my pants." And this man is wrestling with his hands in his pot pants pockets. He's the greatest athlete of our generation. Yeah, if there's literally one thing that they have done right, it was sign this guy because literally, I know it might not be the fact he may never hold the title, but what he's going to do from a standpoint of entertainment. I really think is going to wow 
the general audience that's going to end up watching this on TNT. And I think people are going to be just captivated by his lack of caring <laughs> and his and is the personality that he has that I really think that this was a great get for them well and especially like if you have somebody who hasn't watched wrestling in a number of years like they haven't watched since maybe the attitude era of WWE or what have you and they come into this and they're expecting hard hitting hard you know fast running and all this and, and you know power slams and, and spine busters and this and that and you got a guy who just saunters in there down to the rope not a care in the world cool as can be no I'm just gonna casually kick you casually kick you i might hit you <laughs> well his, his gimmick is very unique and when orange cassie gets to the mainstream audience i mean i think it's going to win a lot of people over oh yeah, yeah. i it, think this was a if they've done anything this was the one move that they knew that they had to do yeah yeah so we'll have to see what happens and you want to talk a little bit more i about absolutely the world want to talk a world sure. title with you guys so i mean obviously that was our point of contention when we talked about the show last week you know what they would do as far as who would win the belt and what that meant you know, spoiler alert here, Jericho ends up winning the title. Yep. Subsequently loses it, but that's another story. Let's say he got it back. Um, so, I mean, what is your what are your reactions now to Jericho now winning the belt? I mean, they had their guy, you yep. know, their elite guy, Hangman Page, who's been with them on the road now, the Bullet Club, New Japan, ROH, the whole thing. Yeah. Their guy, their guy, and they gave it to... A WWE guy. I mean, it, it, it makes sense because, let's face it, when you were trying to market to an audience that either is brand new to wrestling or hasn't watched in a number of years, like I said before, who are, who do you think is going to get those eyes on, on the product? Because you're going to have the guys like us who are going to watch no matter what. Unless it turns bad, we're going to watch. You know, you got to get the eyes that you know won't be there day one to watch. And how do you do that? A guy who's, you know, been a kind of a indie sensation in, in rising rank. You know, is he you know top of the world, best in the world? Not yet. Could he be? Maybe. Or or do you give it to the guy that has been wrestling for the better part of what three decades, four decades now, however long it is, and is universally known and, and known all over the world that. You know, if, if somebody's flipping a channel and they happen to be flipping past TNT on Wednesday night and they see Jericho holding a belt, cutting a, a classic Jericho promo, you think that won't stop somebody and go, hey, whoa, whoa, what is this? Jericho? I addressed this on 3FN post show, too. They made the right move. Yeah. Jericho, and like, uh, Pat echoes the same sentiment I had. To debut on network TV, and I don't care what Cody says, you want to get as many eyes on your product as possible. Mainstream fans, hardcore fans, you want people watching your program. If you're going to debut a brand new promotion to the masses, you want somebody to represent your brand that majority of fans know. Yeah. Nothing against Adam Page. No. But if I'm watching that television for the first time and I don't know anybody on your roster, chances are I will know Chris Jericho. I'll say I got a cousin uh, down in uh, down in Long Island who used to watch wrestling all the time, but hasn't in a number of years, just because for whatever reason I haven't really discussed it with him. If he were to be flipping channels some night, and like let's just say it's the first episode of All Elite on TNT, and he sees Chris Jericho, I guarantee you he'll stop and go, "Wait, whoa, what is this?" Well, it makes sense, and like I said, Paige is is there. He's but good. He, he's good, but he's a couple years away from being the guy. The yeah. Face. I mean, I've got so I, my take is first off. The match was just not good. No. I mean, the chemistry wasn't there. The timing wasn't there. You know, the blood spot was 
unnecessary. Un- unnecessary. It was and, unnecessary, and it was, like it was a, a clear as day what they were going to do when. Oh yeah, when he mean, went they, down and was down for an extended time. And the and they, referee dropped to her knees and was reaching in her pocket. Well, well, and especially like he dropped to the ground, and the camera didn't immediately cut to him on the ground. It's like something else. You're like, all right, I see what's going on here. Yeah, I, I mean, it was like, I mean, it was so bad. The referee dropping to her knees. So it was. It was almost like Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to the man behind yeah, the curtain. Yeah, don't look over here. Pan, you know, hand in pocket. You can see the handoff. You see him get it and then roll out of the ring. I don't understand the the blood in the in the tag match in the all out show uh, or the all in show. That with Dustin was powerful. Yeah, that told the story. Did I mean did he botch the spot? Yes, but yeah. like yeah. you know, it it was telling the story. It was it was so well executed. This was just for this you know blood for blood. It yeah. was uh, it was unnecessary. Right. What did it show? Okay, Hangman's elbow is so dangerous that it can cut a guy open. Because if that's the case, then his elbow should have been powerful enough to knock you out. Right. I mean, really? Yeah, you have to argue that. And and so if that's what they were trying to go for, failed executed. You know, yeah. very well, not done. Yeah. Then just the rest of the match they're on, like Jericho just trying to work the gash to get more blood out and, right. and trying to wipe it and everything. Didn't look good because there wasn't any blood coming out, and right. it just looked weird. And the timing of the match and the execution and the the spots and everything. I, I was sitting here watching it, just like I'm not even convinced that Jericho should be the guy right now because I, I want the All Elite is supposed to be this brand of wrestling, and you know all of our guys are so talented, top to bottom, they could out wrestle the world. And Jericho's not that guy anymore. No, now. And and on the flip side of it, here's my other problem. If you're, you know, the the executives of this company, and you're coming out and saying we're different than them, we're not them, we're not them, we're not them, meaning you're not the WWE. The move should have been to put, and I understand why putting the belt on Jericho. Obviously, it's a name, but if you're trying to advertise yourself as being different, but then you give it to a WWE guy who is a going to be without his. Bar none, a WWE Hall of Famer, one of the greatest, arguably, of all time in WWE mm. history. Yeah. Their, fir- their first universal champion, and now your first all-elite champion, to me, it just seems like you can't then call a spade a spade and just say that you're wrestling and that you know, you're know you no different than them. You're no different than WWE. But that goes back to the point that we've been making on here and on 3FN2. There's no consecutive right. conscientious voice that speaks right. for everybody. Right. There's no Vince to make that call. Sure. When you have everybody that's a vice president in that company, and it's clear as day they're all not on the same page. It is clear. Yeah. You're not going to have that call, and you're not going to make that happen. So what I'm saying is, to close out about AEW, you're going to have – to really figure out what your direction is going to be before you hit TV on August or October 2nd. I mean, they don't have a lot of time. (laughs) They don't. So they got to make up ground and make up ground quick. Like, however they got to do it. Either it's... Because like we said, that NXT card is going to be fire. Oh, that yeah, that night, it's going to be the biggest NXT card, arguably, that's not on TakeOver. Yeah, for sure. Um, But it will be a TakeOver card. It will be a TakeOver equivalent. Yeah, it will feel like it without question. So, AEW has a lot of work to do all out. We felt it was a little underwhelming. Dare I say, do we give a quick shout-out about the Excite Show? Yes, yeah. I want to absolutely do that because I just want to thank, you know, Moose and his production and everything that they did at that show. 
Um, every wrestler, I brought my three-year-old son who had a fantastic time. Every wrestler that he interacted with was great to him, treated him very well and, you know, made him laugh and everything. So, I mean, to see his eyes glimmer the way that mine probably did when I was that age watching wrestling was amazing. The show was great. Uh, the weather held off. Uh, the proposal was fantastic, yeah. and that was great. It was difficult to not boo, you know, uh, the rest of the way as, uh, you know, he's a heel, so that was tough to not want to boo him. Tommy Dreamer was fantastic. Oh, so good. Uh, the main event was great. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it was a really good card. I mean, sometimes people are hesitant to go see local, you know, wrestling, but I don't know why. I mean, I don't. I can't guarantee that everybody is probably as good as Excite as far as getting talent in. But I mean, if you're if you have a local indie branch, support them. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've been hyping it up. Excite Wrestling had their big WrestleMania type show at Night yeah. Six Stadium, home of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, this past weekend, and the weather held out. It was Johnny Moose's swan song for right now. Um, he's stepping away from Excite, and we can't thank him enough for coming on the show and and, and doing interviews with us and really kind of talking the brand up and really just being a friend of the show. Moose is actually coming back on very shortly just to be a guest on the show. Oh, because, gosh, it's perfect. Because he's great, and he's actually joining us at Robocon for yeah. our panel. Yep. So that should be a, a ton of fun there too. And to close out running the ropes, let's just hit the biggest bullet point of the WWE this week. Sure. Bailey heel turn. Oof. Finally. About time. Finally this happened. Long overdue. A, a shot in the arm to her character that I think was – Desperately needed, in I, my opinion. I love the one shot they got that I didn't see this initially uh, it, when it was broadcasted, but I went and watched the clip back again just because it was so good. I got to give a shout out to whoever made the, the camera call that when she took the, the chair out of Sasha's hands and was holding it and then adjusted her grip on it so that she could swing the chair and hit Becky with it. If you watch the clip back, they cut to a camera that's on what used to be the announcer side of the ring looking up at her. And she looks and turns back towards Sasha. And there's this mischievous little grin right before she swings the chair and starts beating Becky with it. Amazing camera work. I, I mean, I just think I from a standpoint of now you have, you know, Charlotte, who's been, you know, a little bit out of action right now. Yeah. I think this is something that can bring her back into the fold and, and you know, maybe even give her a shot in the arm, too, with the fact that now these two are the heel and now yeah. Becky and her can be the faces. And I, I think a build up to maybe a Survivor Series match. Maybe. Maybe a Royal Rumble match. Maybe even just the four of them go finally at WrestleMania would be fantastic. I mean, I see a lot of options here that are only good for everybody. Yeah. It's a yeah. win, win, win. No, yeah, like like Ken said, it's it's win. It's, like it was said, it's it's a shot in the arm for Bailey's character, which let's be honest, it's become stale, you know, because what can you really do with oh, I'm happy go lucky and hugging? Like, not a knock against her, but there's really not much you can do with it. It's I'm I'm excited to see what they do with this. The character ran its course. You can, and so if a heel turn which is long overdue and how they did it, I mean, you can definitely see the Paul Heyman influence on that. Went on Raw, the whole camera. <laughs> he was probably setup. pitching that so hard too. Everything too, because then when you flip it to SmackDown, the only thing I didn't like about SmackDown is Bailey came out to the old entrance with the inflatable. Well, wacky they probably didn't have. Arms. They probably didn't have anything ready for you. Well, no, but you should have something ready for yeah. that. Like I thought, I, I but you go full heel if you're gonna do that. You know what though? Like doing the, the doing that move and then coming out to SmackDown with the inflatable thing, like almost acting like yeah, you know, whatever. Business is business. I mean, I didn't catch SmackDown yet, so I don't know if that's the way that she reacted. But to me, that's how I would have played it off. I would have just been like, 
yeah, I came out and I'm going to come out and whack, you know, do my tube thing and whatever because what I did is what I did. That's how she kind of addressed it. And Charlotte, That's perfect. And Charlotte came out and then there was the like brouhaha between them yeah. and Sasha. Yeah. See, I thought it was great. Bailey was wearing a t shirt that said Grand Slam Champion, which I realized it was not the, referring to the incident from the other, the night previous with, with Becky, but I'm like, yeah, that's a funny little uh, play on words there. Yeah. Definitely was. So a lot of wrestling action this weekend. Definitely let us know what you thought of it. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What's your thoughts of the new segment, Running the Ropes? We definitely want to know. We're having a lot of positive feedback thus far. Let's continue that discussion. Let's talk a little bit more wrestling. And definitely shout out to 3FN, too, because they do 3FN on wrestling every week, too. So definitely a lot of wrestling program here on the hashtag 607 Podcast Network. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's a Hey, this is Vince, the Calaman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, you got that local minute? Yeah, local minute. we got to talk a little Binghamton Rumble Ponies uh, news because it was the last week of the season uh, this past week. Uh, in their series against the Portland Sea Dogs, they lost uh, three games in 1-1. One, one. Uh, excuse me, they lost four games in 1-1. One, one. Uh, and then they closed out the season with a series against the Hartford Yard Goats. They took the first two games out of the series, lost the third, and won their final game of the season uh, by a final score of 4-3, uh, finishing the season with a record of 67-73, and 73, missing the playoffs, uh, which is unfortunate. But hey, there's always next year. Uh, but with uh, baseball season over here in the Binghamton area, that means we are one step closer to hockey season. Yes, Binghamton Devils games are returning quicker and quicker uh, as we sit here. Uh, opening night is Saturday, October 5th against the Utica Comets. Game time 705. Uh, for more information, BinghamtonDevils.com. Now you know that we kick off the football season by bringing back our Pop, most popular segment, dare I say, Locks and Leaps. Mm-hmm. Now, to explain this to everybody, if in case you're a new listener, and thank you for giving us the listen, we have an invitational-only tournament that we run for the entire football season yep. for the NFL. And it is invite-only that we do with fans of the show and people that have interacted with us throughout the year. And what we do is you pick a NFL team that is a favorite, according to the Vegas line, and you pick an underdog, according to the Vegas line, thus being a lock, the favorite, and the leap, the underdog. And whoever has the most correct picks by the end of the year does win a prize of some sort. Mm-hmm. So Pad is our defending champion. you got to come from my belt. Exactly. So we are officially announcing, we did this on Facebook, but we are going to officially announce who is involved in this year's Locks and Leaps right now as I call up the page and entered into the 2019 NFL Locks and Leaps Invitational on the ODPH. Padawan J. Starting a run like Tom Brady. Defending champ, Coach Duffy. I will, New York Giant, your run. Uh, you can try. Yours truly, kind of. The one and only dog, the Excite Wrestling King of Bing champion right now, Edwin Fortunato. Andy Adams, loyal listener. Kevin Molson, you know him from the Wrestling Recap Show. He's coming back again. And now we decided to switch it up and let some other friends of the show in. First off, 
from the ODPH Street Team, which will be heading to New York Comic Con this year. The one and only John Rhodes is going to be entered in this year. And rounding out the field, because we do keep it an invitational, our friends over at 3FN, Rich, Ron, and hashtag Big Natty Cool himself, Diesel, are entered in as well. So the deal is that we have to post our picks on the pinned Facebook post on the ODPH page, and we'll have that in before game time on Sunday. We don't really count the playing game on Thursday. No. Um, but we are going to say you have to pick a favorite according to the Vegas line, a dog according to the Vegas line, and if you get the favorite right and they cover the spread, it will be a bonus point. Mm-hmm. So we'll make it a little more enticing this year. Sure. Because Pat is talking a lot of smack this year. Uh-huh. So, Pat, you are our defending champion. Do you sure. want to lead us off in your locks and your leaps this year? Sure. I'll start with my lock. Looking at the Sunday games uh, at 1 o'clock, you've got the Baltimore Ravens against the Miami Dolphins. Baltimore is currently a 6.5-point favorite. I'm going to take Baltimore to win that game uh, because, hey, listen, no disrespect to the folks down in Miami. I uh, hope you're staying safe from all the events going on uh, this week with Hurricane Dorian. Uh, but I see the Ravens winning this game and winning it handedly. Switching to my leap, I'm going to look at the Monday games and currently uh, the later Monday night game between the Denver Broncos and the Oakland Raiders. As we record, it is currently an even. It is a push either way. Uh, when I was looking a couple days ago, uh Oakland was favored to win by a point. I'm going to take Denver on this one just because, with like I said in the first segment, all this nonsense with Antonio Brown and all this, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be kind of like a repeat with Pittsburgh and Le'Veon Bell last year where, you know, all the conversations about was about Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell. Well, now it's Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown. It's going to be way too much of a distraction. Fair enough. Coach, are you ready? I am ready. All right, and I'm going to start. I'm going to start with my leap, okay. which is going to be the Rams at the Panthers. Ooh. The Rams are two and a half point favorites. Ooh. I'm going to like the Panthers to cover and win that game. Interesting. Oh wow. Uh, West Co- uh, West Coast team coming east with a one o'clock start time plus the Super Bowl hangover. Leaping big. All those things benefiting my idea there, and then my lock is going to be. The Browns, a five-point favorite against the Titans. Okay. Baker Mayfield there is first week. They're going to come out the guns do- a-blazing. I was say the, the fans out there in Cleveland will be loud. If Baker Mayfield does not score or throw for five touchdowns, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. Who gets a louder ovation from the crowd, Baker or Odell? Baker. Okay. Uh, all of yeah. the above. Yeah. Cleveland will be rocking that day. I mean, that's, Cleveland rocks. Cleveland I just I love rocks. the idea of this being week one. I love the fact that they're only a five point favorite being at home with this team as reinvigorated as they are. You can see Baker Mayfield's playing with a lot of fun. Yeah, and I mean he's looking dangerous. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has developed a certain swagger around the team, and the city has embraced it. I mean that is the biggest thing about Baker right now. That everybody is really on that hype train. Can they deliver? It's hard to say no right now on paper, but like I say, you play on the game on Sunday and then see what happens. All right, so for my lock, fly, Eagles, fly. Ooh, okay. I like it. I hate taking division games, but there is one team that is jumping out at me, and I almost thought about taking the Chargers. I almost did, but the Chargers have bitten me every year. I looked at that one, too, and thought, you know what? They're going to rally behind Percet. That makes me nervous. Right, so I decided to go to the team that Melvin Gordon almost got traded to. Yep. 
in one of the sweetest deals that we didn't even talk about on the on the pre the first segment. I mean, it could it still could be. I mean, uh, Eagles are in talks to land Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's obviously uh, had his permissions from the Chargers to seek a trade, so that could happen by the trade deadline. This is true. It could happen, which would only help me to cover the spread because Philly is favored by ten, as I'm <laughs> reading right now. Yeah, and they're taking on Washington. Washington really doesn't have anything that scares me, and like I said. When Philly, at the beginning of the season, if they can set that ground run in, I mean, Carson Wentz is healthy. It's going to be the first time we're seeing him without Nick Foles as his backup. It's his team, so yeah. I think he's going to want to make a first impression really quick. Keys to the Ferrari or yours, kid. Here you go. Exactly. And for my leap, okay, I'm leaping through a flaming table on this one. Oh, Lord. I will stick to the one and only Bills Mafia. We don't have Shady. We have Josh Allen. That's all we need to face the Jets. The Bills on the road plus three. Okay. Yes, Le'Veon doesn't scare me. Going, so to, going to the Meadowlands okay. doesn't scare me. So if the Bills lose, is it your fault? Yeah, probably. Okay. But you I know mean, what? I wouldn't put it on them. No, <laughs> I, I, I am saying this. I, the Bills and the Jets, like we talked about on the pre-show, which you haven't let haven't listened to, you can definitely check out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the ODPH episodes. Hey. They are very equal, and yeah. that's why I think this game is such a low point spread. I know I'm really surprised to see. I mean, so the Denver Bronco game, uh, Denver the Denver uh, Raider game is a push. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised to see that the Jets Bills isn't a push. I thought it would be a push too, and that's why I say you because usually the home team always gets three points to start. Right, like yeah. normally, yeah, yeah. But I mean, to see this, which is a game that's on Monday, and they already have it as a push, is weird. Yeah. Well, I think it just goes to show that Denver and Oakland are not expected to do much this year. So Right, and I mean, obviously, from what we talked about on the preview show and what I've seen a lot of reports say, a lot of people feel like the Jets and Bills are at an equal, you know, sort of rating right now. So to see this with a three-point favorite, the Jets, even though they're at home, kind of weird. Yeah. It, it's weird, and that's why I say I'm, I'm jumping on it. Because I usually don't try taking the Bills because I don't like jinxing them. But... I'm looking at this, and I'm going, you know what? This makes sense for them to be a dog. And it makes sense that they can upset and, and sneak one out against the Jets. The Jets are going to play them tough. Like, it's going to oh, be yeah. a close game. Yeah. I wonder if the release of Shady was what kind of pushed. It could. And like I say, I, I don't think it's going to be as big of a factor as people are buying into. Right. Which, I like I said, I've talked to many members of the Bills Mafia, and everybody was like, oh, my God, Shady's gone. I'm like, Look, he's 31. He has played a lot of games. There's a lot of tread in those tires. Exactly. And for him down in Kansas City, it's a better fit. And honestly, I hope he does well down there, unless he's facing the Bills, <laughs> <laughs> which I hope he has a good game, but not a great game. But for the Bills, this is Josh Allen's time to really step it up and show what they've got. And I think that right now, I mean, there hasn't been any really crazy injuries. Right. He's going to have the new wide receiving core, and that is going to take a little time to adjust. Oh, yeah. The Jets have a very stacked defense. Jamal Adams in that backfield scares the hell out of me if he's throwing deep. Yeah, especially with a young quarterback like Allen. Uh Uh-huh. And as long as Allen is not hurtling any defenders, (laughs) we are okay. Running in open space. And, oh, my God, here comes a linebacker. Slide. That's going to be my new thing. Hashtag slide. Slide bills slide. Yes. I will be posting that all over Twitter on Sunday when I'm watching the games. But I'm just saying this, that I think that honestly looking at the teams, because there's a lot of good dog games that could go out there too, which, I mean, if you even want to kind of go into, there's what Detroit at Arizona and the 49ers at Tampa. I mean, those are two good games. And I definitely don't want to go anywhere near the Steelers and Patriots. Thank you. I mean, there is some there's some good game, but there's also some low hanging fruit. 
there is some so to, to jump on. I mean, believe it or not, I actually had a, a Patriots fan come up to me and suggest that the Patriots were going to win by double digits on Sunday night. I'm like, are what are you out of your mind? That's wild. I was L- like, no, no, they, they shouldn't. I've been telling people all week. It'll be if anything, it'll be a three point win. It, I, yeah, it, it'll be close. I mean, the Patriots and Steelers know each other so well. I mean, that's yeah. that's my game of the week. If I'm going to give a game, I mean, it's my game of the week. Well, I know, well, yeah, I know I mean, that's why it's on Sunday night, right? But uh, rightfully so, because sometimes Sunday nights miss. When it's yeah, game. sometimes. I mean, sometimes. normally that. I mean, what's nice for me is that it's not the Giants this year. Surprise! The Giants have opened up on Sunday night like the last the last five years, fifty years, man. Like I feel like ever since I've been watching football, like and I actually know what's going on. I feel like I've had to watch Week One at night against the Cowboys. I'll but, say they've been doing opening night opening night on. Uh, Sunday Night Football since, you know, Roger Staubach was quarterback. I, I can't even remember the last time the Giants faced a different opponent on week one, though, to be honest with you. Because no, it's, it's, it's been it's, the Cowboys, like, the last, uh, legitimately the last five years. And they've always been the Sunday Night game, so yeah. it's so surprising to see it. Well, you know, when you're that bad as the Giants are, and, well, it, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, well, you Dan- know. if Daniel Jones was starting. It would hey, be if Daniel time. Jones was starting, they'd be 16-0 and already. Right. So we'll have to wait and see what happens this Sunday. But definitely follow our Facebook page to keep track of what is going on with Locks and Leafs. It's going to be a really fun season with that. And, you know, definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH, with your picks for who you think is going to win on Sunday. Because we definitely want to interact with you about this. So if you think your team is going to run away with the, the chip this year, let us know. And let us know what you think is going to happen on this Sunday. The music you heard on this episode is that of Fair City Fire. They're from Austin, Texas. They have been doing a lot of big things, so definitely check out faircityfire.com. And if you want to find a quick and easy way to get to their page, go to ochoduroparleyhour.com. Find the music section on there. Click it. You can check out all the great music and all the great bands you hear on the show. And definitely go download some music and you know add it to your iPod collection or however you listen to your music because that's all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, enjoy football. For the one and only Padawan J. A little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.